Hey, Patrick, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about that you're raving mad about some pricing changes that you discovered on a beloved product. There you go. That's why I'm mad because I love the product. Welcome to Tradeoffs, where Neera's Heaton Shaw and ProfitWell's Patrick Campbell discuss tech through a product-first mindset to inspire you to think differently. This week, they talk about pricing and packaging missteps. It's worse than what Intercom did, where they kept trying to charge you more and more and more money, but it made sense to you. This makes no sense. Manage transparency. I don't actually think Airtable or Intercom is doing anything wrong for their business. I believe they're doing things that are wrong for their customer. And aligning with value. It is important to like make money. <laughs> like it's important to like not give everything away. Yo, what's up? Heard you had a little bit of a little bit of run in. Not really a run in, I should say. I had a pricing run in. Yeah, I, I needed to call you, you in and be like, yo, what's up? What's going on here? I know. I'll be honest with you. I have no context except it's Airtable and something you didn't like about their pricing and then a bunch of responses that got went to the thread. I did not read through all of them. So so maybe we talk about that this week. Like what happened? What's going on? And then maybe we can deconstruct this and see, is this something where it's just like you just aren't in their persona anymore? Or is it something where like they're screwing something up? Yeah, we have multiple Airtable spaces or whatever they call them. We have a free one and we have a paid one. And it's because they have very confusing permissioning uh, in the product. I couldn't even explain how confusing their, their permissioning is. Same with Notion, same with Coda, same with pretty much every company. That's not Google or Microsoft and hasn't spent years working on this. So that's one thing. We dig into that at my company a lot because we help people with that kind of stuff. So we had to divide it up. We're also a security company, so we have to be careful about what tools we use. We made an exception for Airtable for a number of reasons. Their security's not up to snuff. Their access control's not up to snuff, but neither is anyone else's. So this is not a dig on anybody. We're, we're very early on this, right? All self-serving for me, though, because this is the stuff we do. So I'm happy to call out my biases. That being said... These companies are just not secure, but that's a lo way longer story, right? So we split these things up. Th that's not really relevant, but that's like might go to show how much we care, what the setup is, and, and even the fact that I love that product. I don't think I love that business anymore, but I love that product. And I've seen tweets over the years about their pricing, and I understood this problem. So I'm not even coming at it like I'm tweeting about a problem I don't understand. Here's the thing, though, dude. Barely a handful of people in our company use that product. So that's number one. So like handful, like five. We have bases in there on our paid plan where we have collaborators. Like we have like 50 collaborators on one or 20 or whatever the number is, right? And I know about their pricing. Like I'm pretty familiar with how it is. So then they email me and they say, hey, we're going to charge you $10,000 a year for 42 people. Now here's the thing. Imagine if Google charged you for every collaborator on every document that included ones that were not internal to your company. Imagine if Google did that. What would the bill look like, right? And I know because I have all the numbers on that because we work with Google Workspace, right? The numbers would be outrageous. It would make no sense to anybody. And when they got emails like the one Airtable sent me, they would freak out. That's it. I don't have much of a complaint. I even know how to manage this. But I got a surprising email and it was not okay. And the reason it's not okay is I like that product. I hate that business now. They don't want that from me or anybody else. That's what they're doing. It's worse than what Intercom did, where they kept trying to charge you more and more and more money, but it made sense to you. This makes no sense. That's it. And I'm not angry or mad. People should be called out. 
<laughs> like it's simple. Like they should be called out and this should be fixed and they should talk about what they're going to do. Cause here's, here's where it gets worse. Nobody reached out to me, but one account executive that has said that he's just known me for years. He saw my tweet cause he follows me. He's like, yo dude, can I help? Nobody else reached out to me, dude. No customer support account, no DMs, nothing. Interesting. I'm not a fan of the business. I love the product. I don't want to feel like that about Airtable. So here's the thing. When you love a product, you're going to have a reaction like this when they do something that's not on brand, in your opinion. This doesn't feel on brand to me. This doesn't feel like the company that whose product I actually like, but I hate the business now. It's going to be hard to change my mind. And you know what? They don't need to care. But I'm on a podcast with the pricing expert, right? And I'm explaining the problem, which you didn't even understand because you probably don't use Airtable a lot or whatever. It doesn't matter. But like, imagine Google charging you for every collaborator. That's it. Full stop. Like, that's the problem, right? So here's here's my question. Now that I understand what you're getting at, I definitely understand because the other companies face this problem a lot. But right now you have, let's just say, single digit number of people actually use Airtable or active users. And then you have a bunch of people that you've invited to like look at a sheet or base. And, or and by the way, Airtable got signups for every one of those people, dude. It may be into my base or whatever. And there were some new people that got in there because of that. But they're not my users. So just to be clear, I, or ask a question here. Do they have the concept of like a collaborator? Like, do they have that concept or no? <laughs> I don't know. You don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they should. It makes okay. sense to me that they would. But why do they charge me for people that like went into one base, maybe viewed it a couple times and called it? Why would they charge me for those type of users? Were you getting charged sense. for this before or no? I've never like, got pinged. I've never got pinged with this kind of price point from them ever. Interesting. Are you paying annually and this was like the price increase or maybe like they were already charging you this much over time? The email was confusing in the first place. All it said was that I'm going to be paying 10 grand a year for 42 collaborators or something like that. And I don't have 42 collaborators in my opinion, right? I might have people that have come in or whatever. I have users and these are users that are from my company. I have that. But why are they charging me for people that are not at my company? I don't think I should be paying for those people. No tool charges me for that that I know of. And the thing is, I benefited them. I brought well, no new collaboration people into Airtable. Yeah, this is a collaboration there are tools tool, that though. Do that, but this is a collaboration tool. So I'm on their website, their pricing website. So it's per user pricing. So you basically pay per seat monthly. Yeah, they also do this thing where it's like $10 per month billed annually, $12 billed monthly, which there's there was a funny tweet about that this week that I got hit up in. But they don't really say anything about collaborators until you go all the way to the bottom to the FAQs. And then <laughs> there's a question that's very vague. How does Airtable's pricing work? Airtable plans are charged per seat. If you're on Airtable's free plan, you can add users to your workspace for free. If you are on a paid Airtable plan, you will be charged for all collaborators who have edit or comment permissions to at least one base in the workspace. No charges will apply for read-only collaborators or people submitting forms. Charges are prorated. Collaborators with edit permissions added partway through the month will only be charged for the days they were collaborators. You might have been paying this for a while, dude. I don't know if you realize that. All that matters to me is I like this product and probably going to stop using it. That's all that matters to me as a customer, right? Like the brand is, is completely tarnished in my book and like, it's cool. Like it's totally cool, but like it just takes one thing. It's cool. Like, like I actually fully, fully, fully grasp that screenshot completely. Do you get what I mean? Like I grasped it 100%. I don't need to read the pricing page. I don't really need to read the FAQ you read, but at the, the bottom line is this is not okay. <laughs> you know, it's just not okay. And this company hasn't done anything about it for years. Because I've seen other people complain about it. So all it is is calling out people on their... 
That's it, right? Like, and that's why I tagged you. I'm like, yo, dude, though? this makes no sense. Yeah, it is. You know why it's no why other it? tool that does what they do charges this way. And more importantly, you know what? I wouldn't care if they even emailed me properly about this. I know they know about this problem. I also know in Q1, supposedly, they're going to change their pricing. I also know that it's hard to sell this product as a result of this pricing. So I just look at it like, dude, it just takes one stupid thing like this for someone to be like, what is going on? And pricing is the most sensitive topic always. So like, I'm good, dude. I'm not even angry. I'm just like, dude, I'm disappointed to the max with the software company. And this is just software. You know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal. And like I said, I fully grasped it. People in the thread were trying to explain this to me and how to like remove this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I get this. But this needs to change. I'm even more disappointed because like, they don't care. They do not care. That's even this worse. This is interesting. Yeah. They don't Air care, Patrick. Sh- they don't okay. care. They don't okay. care. I've seen tweets like this over the years. They don't care. But and do you think Intercom problem. doesn't care then? Because we've also seen Intercom like pricing. This is 10x, maybe 100x worse than Intercom. The thing is, I don't expect to pay on the value metric they're trying to get me to pay on. And I just looked at Smartsheet. I think they're direct competitors. I don't know if they people people, people think all these things are direct competitors. But to my point about the product, I don't see anyone touching their product anytime soon. Unlimited collaborators who can view and edit, like Monday.com. Yeah, there you go, dude. Basically, everybody has view, and every company does this properly. And if you go to Coda, I know for sure that they thought through this and nailed it. And it's it's complicated. It's not easy to nail. But like companies can't do this. Like like if this is how Airtable's making their revenue. Oh, dude, like that's a disappointment. What's really interesting about this to make it interesting for everybody too is like when you have a collaboration product, this is the classic problem and usage is hard to measure here because you have people who are very like core to the experience. They're the one building the dock or the the base or whatever it is. And then you have people who are view it or comment on it and are kind of like these secondary users. What most people have done is they are making their money or their value metric is something else besides not users. Like this is what's kind of frustrating with the Airtable situation is that they basically scale not only on users, but also the number of records that you have in each one of their bases as well as like the amount of stuff. And so what gets really weird is like, it does feel taxing. Like this is not a good move. I would argue from a pricing, like maybe like five, 10 years ago, you could get away with this. But right now it's like, I want more people in there because I want more people to lead to more stuff being put in there, right? Maybe I don't have a clean enough metric where I can like not charge per user, but at least I don't have to tax like these users who spiritually are not full users anyways. I'm bringing on new users. They came and used that, that base that I had and it gets better. They emailed me and said, hey, can we use that base for our same use case? And these are people that didn't know about Airtable at the time and they liked the way I was using it. They were brought in. I even sent them a copy of that templated up for them and said, yeah, of course you can use it. I I love this workflow. Here you go. So it's kind of like, what benefit do you want from me? Are you trying to take nickel and dime me? Are you trying to grow your product? And, you know, the user base through through people like me that want to share the product because it's a great product. I will always say it's a great product because it is. Like they literally need to reach out to people and say, I'm sorry. Like literally, like it's easy. You know what I mean? And that that sales rep was was more than happy to help me out. I got to give him mad, mad props for helping somehow where no one else at the company is willing to help. And I'm not a random complainer, 
right? I'm willing to talk. I don't want to come on our podcast and talk about this. I don't want to tweet about this. I'm not an angry person. But companies need to be called out when they have practices that cause them to lose people like me who love their product. This is what I care about, right? Like I care about companies doing the right thing. That's it. And with pricing, it's not that hard. Like there's a norm in this industry. And like, yeah, I know Airtable makes a bunch of money, right? But if they're making it this way, it's just like Intercom. They're going to see churn. They're going to see people on threads like mine come up with alternatives. That being said, there is no alternative to Airtable, just like there is no legit alternative to Intercom because those products are so well built. Both products are extremely well built. And then they toss on this pathetic business model on top of it. And what happens? We lose. We all lose because we want to churn off the products, right? They lose too. They shouldn't be losing customers that love their product. That makes no sense for a silly reason like this. Here's the framework. Airtable, it's not even about how they handled it stuff. It's the fact that they are adding friction to the increase in value that's being created. And I would argue it's not even you inviting people, although that is like obviously a network effect. I think it's the fact that like they're getting stuff in the way of people building more stuff inside their product. Like even if those 42 collaborators or their, let's just say the, the 35, you know, that aren't like the hardcore ones internally at your company, like those 35, even if they're on free plans and start creating, you know, different bases that have different data records, there's a lot of money there potentially for Airtable over I a know lifetime. I might have produced a couple paying customers for them, right? Like as a result of that one thing I did that got blown out to a lot of collaborators, but they're trying to charge me for that. Like you said, it does hamper the usage a lot, right? And like, yeah. it's, it's all kinds of- You don't want a user thinking yeah. like, oh, the core thing I'm using this product for, do I like- do, do I that use it? more do or I do not? I not? Do right? I do this? Do and this I do is that? this is the problem that a lot of products have that are not as collaborative, right? So the analytics, this is why profitable metrics is free, by the way, is because charging for analytics is really hard unless you have an enterprise sales team. Because I think someone might have told you that years ago. Yeah. First of all, I came up with all of my ideas on my own. Uh-huh, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Uh-huh. No one has worked with me on becoming a freemium zealot uh, at all. No, but like the basic idea is like, do I charge based on users? Well, then no one's going to use the product. Do I charge based on how much data is in there? Well, then people are going to question whether they're going to put data. And what some people do in that situation, this is like a funny, funny anecdote, like Splunk, which is, you know, big repo. There are a lot of things now. Lots of data. Yeah. They charge you based on the first entry of the data. So if you add 100 gigs in a given month, they basically charge you just for those 100 gigs once, and then that's it, which is kind of interesting. But the beauty is, is that, any company that's using a product like that, they're adding data every single month and they're typically adding like the same amount of data, if not more every single month, right? Oh, so you're saying if you hit 100 gigs once, you're going to be charged for the 100 gigs. And if you add no more data, they don't charge you anymore. Uh, They have add-ons and like stuff like that. Forever or just for that month? Forever. Oh, that's cool. But it's a data product and you can't remove the data. So that makes sense. Well, you you Remember, you can't remove the data. No, 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 you can't. A system like Splunk, you can't remove the data. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Well, you could like delete. Like, but no, you no, can... no, 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 you can't. So the thing is, something like Splunk is a logging tool. You don't delete data. No, 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 no I know. Tool. But what I'm saying, sorry, what I'm, semantic, I'm saying like, you can get rid of your Splunk account if you want, but like, no, no, yeah, no, no, you no. Can't. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but if you want to keep the product, you can't delete the data, right? And like, it makes sense because it's a logging tool. So like you push the data in, they have your data now. I didn't know it was one time, but then they charge you for that. And then I'm sure they charge you the subscription for any add-ons you want. That's analysis on top of the data. It's things like that. Makes sense. But what's beautiful about it is that with logging, 
you're logging the same amount, if not more, each month. So this That's is right. where they get their recurring revenue. Yeah, so if not I do 200 like, gigs the next month, I've charged for another 100, and they're good with it. Everyone's good with it. That's actually pretty value-aligned and kind of interesting because they're not charging 100 gigs per month. And they found other ways to like charge you for the subscription, which you probably care about. They're technically not charging you for the storage, which is like where most people go. They go for a utility charge versus a value charge. Well, and the value storage to has me, gotten cheaper by far over time, so they don't. Totally. It's not a cost issue either. So bringing this back to Airtable and kind of a distinction with Intercom, Airtable, what they're doing is they're basically taxing an activity that is helping their product, not from a user acquisition standpoint, although that is what's happening as well. They're taxing something that presumably creates more records. So there's a world where like all collaborators are not only free, but they can also edit. Right? There's a world where it goes that far, right? Notion, I believe, has that notion where a free user can add. I get charged for the stuff they add, though, which is kind of interesting, which is fine. Like if they add like a bunch of data or something like that, like that I want, like I'll end up getting charged for it because I'm the one that's like basically holding on to things. But a user can basically edit, comment, or view, which I think is where most companies have gone in this space. I understand Airtable is different and their collaborator model might need to be different. I understand that. Like completely. But if you're charging for just a user and they don't stick around or they don't use my base, it just feels so off. And it's like you said, they're limiting usage. They're making me think about it. They're making it so that I don't want to go put a link to Airtable. Imagine if I put a link to that Airtable publicly and it's on my paid workspace. And if I got a thousand collaborators, they're going to try to charge me for those thousand collaborators just because they signed up and viewed once. I mean, just think about the implications, right? And like, there are people on the thread that have talked about that and said, yeah, one time I did this and now I have a $4,000 a month bill or some, something like that, right? Like whatever it is, someone on the thread said, yeah, that's why I use Notion because they charge this way. I I would never be able to use Airtable because in my agreements, it says that my customer will pay more or will have to pay more if the usage of these tools goes up. And then I would be out of business if I was using Airtable. And, and But again, I understand it's not your standard collaboration tool. Collaboration might not even be the highlight in that product, but they can do better. They can figure out pricing and packaging. They can come to you folks and get your help. This is the thing that sucks, in my opinion. This is a company that's raised, I don't know how much, but probably like a hundred plus million dollars, right? Like they don't need to do this. They don't need to treat the users and the customers like this. So one, I think they're at a size where this like isn't an excusable thing but i do think that just to kind of like do a play-by-play of like how this happens like i guarantee you it was something where they originally set their pricing and they talked through it and they rationalized something maybe they did do some testing or some research but then like no one looked back or no one looked at the implication of it and then all of a sudden like they're waiting for you know feedback like basically i'm trying to give them like an out here of like they just didn't like think through it like i don't know how conscious this was that they're doing this and this is where you're having a mismatch around expectation is like it doesn't just go with the vibe or the what seems to be the ethos of airtable in general from a product perspective i don't know it is interesting though there are, there are companies that have certain types of people at the top that are executives and founders that feel closed minded and this is a company that has historically felt like that to me, despite how much I really, oh, so really, really like the product. This. Yeah, I think there's a cultural, like I would expect this out of Smartsheet. I would expect yeah, this out of like that, that's kind like of my Asana, point, right? Like I would expect this out of those kinds of companies. There are companies that are so opinionated that they don't care what their customer thinks, 
And I'm not Got saying it. Airtable's fully there, but it feels like that. Not even just because of this incident. It's because of the brand they've created around the founders and the people at the top, so to speak, right? Like if you dig around Silicon Valley and start talking to people about this company, they will tell you what I'm saying will match up to what people think about the organization and the people running it, right? So like, yes, I always have more info than what I tweet, always, just because I'm very careful with what I tweet. I'm not tweeting because I'm pissed. I'm tweeting because something has to be done. People have to be called out when they do things like this. Who's going to do that? Who's going to come on a podcast and talk about it, right? Like, this is a software problem in our world. Founders need to be more open-minded and do the research. They didn't do the research. It is very clear to me that they didn't, right? Like, and if they did, they went for yield. You could argue what you were saying, which is like, oh, you're not the ideal customer. Now, imagine this, though. Imagine a Cisco or whoever is a major big company with 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 people, and this happening to them. It is happening to them. What do they do? This is where I think that like to kind of bring this out into another concept, when it comes to pricing, you never want it to feel like a tax. This is the whole concept of aligning as much as and closely to value as possible. Like the distinction here is like the reason this feels like a tax, and there's a lot of reasons why something feels like a tax, but the reason this feels like a tax is because I'm doing the thing that's bringing you value and you are taxing me for it, right? You as in Airtable, Right. And it's not even just from new users, but it's also from like those users are going to create more stuff. And as they create more stuff, they're going to go over certain limits. And when they go over certain limits, they're going to have to pay, right? The other tax, and this is where I think the distinction is with like an intercom. I think intercom is actually really well aligned to value, more so than Airtable here. I don't think intercom suffers from the same thing. I think intercom suffers maybe from the, the opinion it's a different piece thing. that you're talking it's about. It's a different thing, yeah. But what they're doing is they're so aligned to value but it feels like a tax because they don't set up the bin large enough. I'll explain what I mean by that. So that I'm only getting upgraded every quarter. They set it so like I might get upgraded every single month and then I turn around because I didn't pay attention to the bills in four quarters and all of a sudden I'm like, holy cow, what am I paying, right? Which again, like you can say that's justified and there's a little bit more of a persona argument there because if I'm Cisco, I probably don't care because I'm using it and I can look at my ROI or whatever. But I think that like that's where they've gotten a lot of flack is because it's like every single month and I don't know where they are now, but I know in the past they weren't as transparent with like receipts and things like that. And I don't know if that was a bug or intentional or whatever, but like I do know they weren't sending receipts for a while and people would just like wake up and be like, my bill has 20X over a year and I never got notified. And yes, maybe I should have looked at my whatever, but they should have definitely, you know, at least in my let's opinion, talk about what, what intercom opened themselves up to. So I'm a fan of intercom. I think it's the best product in that market. Hands down, full stop. They built just like Airtable, something super unique and innovative. And sometimes it's hard to figure out pricing for those products. But when a company has raised the kind of money intercom and Airtable has, there's no excuses. That being said, I feel like intercom knows what they're doing. And here's the thing though, what they opened themselves up to is a company like Drift saying, your value metric is now in the garbage because we're not going to charge on it. Whether Drift's a better product or not or does everything Intercom does or not, now Drift has a narrative against Intercom that is a killer narrative because you go for the juggler when you go for someone's pricing. It's just like Amazon, right? Your margin is my opportunity. And that's what you open yourself up to from a strategic standpoint. Again, to be frank, I don't actually think Airtable or Intercom is doing anything wrong for their business. I believe they're doing things that are wrong for their customer, but those and they're showing insensitivity to, to the customer. Point. 
Yes. And I think the way they can get away with this is because like it's a tool that's again, the TAM is essentially infinite, right? And that's why they can get away with it. I, I do think what's interesting is that like when you look at something like a Monday.com, oh, this actually might be even better than what I was about to say. So I just searched let me bring it up because I'm pretty sure they lean heavily into when I search air table prep, this will be really cool if what I'm seeing actually is real. Yeah, monday.com. Interesting. Monday.com is doing their homework because they're talking about collaboration a lot and it's not on their core pages as much, but in their pricing, they're talking a lot about collaboration in an ad off of when I searched air table pricing. Yeah, and then Smartsheet's kind of doing the whole, like, we're above them in G2 crowd, which is not as interesting. But yeah, I think, like, this is the thing where, like, the chicken comes home to roost eventually. Like, I think Monday.com, what I liked about what they were doing is basically, like, they just lean heavily into this value prop. So there must be some frustration because they've seen some, like, inbound, basically. Yeah, but you know the drill. Like, if you're not doing research on pricing every freaking quarter, you're not understanding the market. Like, pricing research and pricing work is about understanding the market. You know, and that's where these companies, Intercom has that off, Airtable has that off. And the funny thing is you cannot build the kind of products they did without a lot of research. They just don't seem to be doing the pricing research or they're making the decisions that go against the customer. Yeah. What's also interesting is that I don't know if Intercom with their thing or Airtable will change. And that's why I'm, I'm going to churn. It's a matter of time right? I don't want to. That's my point about closed-minded companies. I'm okay with that. Like, it doesn't matter to me, but I get to make a choice as a user, as a customer, right? Like, meaning I'm okay with that, meaning I actually have very little gripes in any of this, but companies should be called out when they do this stuff, and you and I should talk about it, because I happen to have the dude who knows everything about pricing right here. You know what I mean? And like, I could call you out on Twitter and be like, yo, we got to talk totally. about this, right? Like, this is a really common thing, though, with like companies. And this is why I was like seeing if it was a persona thing. But no, I think the collaborator things is just a value misalignment piece. But as a company, I do think like when this topic comes up with like things, my, you know, ears perk up mostly because I worry about sometimes people are too indie with the way they think about pricing or they're too like, SAP enterprise crazy with their pricing. And this is why it's so important to come back to values because a lot of the people like who would, you know, for lack of a better phrase, whine about intercom, there's just people who should be using some free alternative that doesn't have like 90% of the features. Oh, oh and, like, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, like if you don't need all of intercom and you're getting charged a lot for it, you can turn and that's fine. You're probably not the right user I could, uh, now. And I agree with that. Airtable though, it's, it's, in a commodit- it's also in a yeah, commoditized yeah, yeah. market at the core. Right. It is a bottom up business. By the way, it's not bottoms up. It's bottom up. And everyone gets that wrong. Yeah. I think the thing, though, is like if you look at something like Asana even and Asana doesn't struggle, I think, from the the, the product misalignment piece here. But I think that there are companies that like choose very consciously to, you know, and, and you're saying you're OK with this, but you're going to personally turn. They're very OK with turning the screws somewhere. Right. I think this is the wrong place to turn the screws, but I I do want to make sure I point out, I know you're not saying the opposite of this, but it is important to like make money. (laughs) Like it's important to like not give everything away. Yeah. They have blocks. They have features that they turn the screws on that I really want on the free plan. 
Yeah, they, they have I that. would have rather seen them turn the blocks or the rec- records down. Yeah. I upgraded because of those things, right? Because like I didn't upgrade for the users. I upgraded because of the features, and I think I want them, right? And that, that's what makes a product great. I think there's a big alignment with how they have that upgrade path on all the features. I actually have no issues with that at all with that product. I also have no issues with the product saying, you are not my customer. That's not what they're yeah. saying here, though, right? Like that's no, not no, what I it agree. should be. Trying to make you know? a larger point around like yeah, and, and if I think I'm listening you're, I to think this, you're I right. take away you know yeah. certain things and yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, the, the bottom line is you have to align with how the customer thinks about buying in your category. Well, also like this is where like using and buying gets so interesting because there is a difference between buying behavior and usage behavior, right? And I think that here. Like if I'm making a decision as a director or some, you know, level for an entire team, like the way I buy might not feel like the same as the actual user. But in this case, the user and the buyer are like almost one in the same, right? So I think that's, you know, in addition to the other users. So that's the other thing you have to keep in mind. Like if I was, you know, buying Asana, the things I'm going to care about, especially around collaborative users, might not be the same as if I'm buying, you know, Airtable, for instance, as that director. So I think this is just value misalignment. Like it's just vanilla, generic value misalignment more than anything. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's just sad when, you know, you end up liking a product so much. Like, I guess there are alternatives, but they're not. There, there is admitted. no alternative to Airtable. Okay. I'll be the first so, person But this to is that. enough, but this is enough to leave? There is no legitimate alternative to Airtable. I want to churn so badly, right? So you're not going to churn. I have no idea, but I want to churn so badly. I mean, to the point where Marie, my co-founder, was in the thread and she never does this. And she's like, yeah, we got to get rid of this thing. You got her too. You didn't just get me. You got her too. It's one thing for Heaton to be angry about something, but if she's angry about something too, that's a problem. She doesn't get angry like I do about things like this. I do think there's an interesting line where... There are some products that basically push the leverage so much, like up right up until the line. The line is impossible to identify, but just right up to the line of like, all right, we'll keep it, but not love it. And it's a fascinating, fascinating, like, you know, problem that I cannot use the product freely anymore the way I want to. And I'm upset about that because I like the product. So why would I continue to use it if I can't use it the way I want to? Seriously, that use case I used it for was so good that someone else wanted to use it for that use case after I did, right? And I was even very early on Airtable Universe, and I have a pretty big Airtable Universe thing on there about with all my old links and stuff like that. Like, I'm a power user of this thing, or one of the power users of some scale of a power user. I probably know a lot of the tricks other people don't know about the product. And it is this, but here's the thing. I have talked about other products in very critical ways, And people have reached out to me and tried to help me that were senior at those companies all the way to founders and CEOs. I'm not saying I want that because it's me. I'm saying I want to see a company give it enough to do things like that. And this company does not. And that does not give me any confidence in leadership or business or anything. That being said, that account representative that hit me up, props, mad props, because like, I'm not an angry, mad person. And you would know that if you just DM me and just talk to me about it and said, hey, man. You have been you have been more fired up the past two months, though. I'm going to point that out. As a yeah, yeah, that's fine. People can think I'm angry. It's not that. It's like people no, just I'm should just do the right thing. We have, we have too much at stake here in tech, honestly. Do you think if they had reached out and gone, 
hey, sorry about this. Like, yeah, like there's a workaround here. Realize that isn't like great UX. So we're going to work on this. Would you go, okay, please fix it. Like, let me know when it's fixed. Like, is that, and you would have yeah, been happier it's probably? standard customer support and success tactic, right? And it is a tactic. You go to the customer and you say, hey, I'm sorry that this has pissed you off or whatever. We do it for these reasons and we're looking into it and we believe we're going to have a change at this date. The account representative was able to tell me this has people's attention, not because of my tweet, but because it is a real problem that a lot of customers have, right? And then I'm like, oh, cool. I'm already, I'm already like sorted, to be honest, because he did reach out. But the thing is, it doesn't feel like the real people who are responsible for these decisions care at the company. And that bothers me even more. Yeah. I do think the other thing you got to think about is like filtering this type of feedback can get hard. Like you should absolutely respond and do what you just said, but also filtering some of this feedback. Like I kind of like, although I think I personally think, and I think it makes sense to change what some of the intercom stuff has done, like to make it so that like, maybe I have larger increases less frequently. Like I'd, I'd be more accepting of that rather than like smaller increases every single month. I do think that like you still need a good filter. I don't know the world where Airtable, this makes sense because of the value misalignment that we've talked about, but I do know, and I'm just filtering this through someone listening who's like getting pricing feedback, like, and this is a general product feedback too. It's like this one type of person that you think is really important says something, which again, this is like one of those things that, you know, obviously I think should change, but here's the thing. It shouldn't be my importance. It should be the fact I'm dissatisfied, right? And I should be managed. No, but people and are like- dissatisfied. So first, to be very clear, I understand what you're saying, but like, this is just customer support 101, dude. This is, this is not very complicated, right? So what I'm trying to say is, is like, again, apart from just doing basic, hey man, I hear you, empathize, blah, 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 blah. Besides doing that, what I'm saying is what some founders will do or execs will do in a pricing situation, because pricing's at the intersection of uncomfortable and important. And whenever you have something there, it's like a cluster of like emotions, even if you're like in really intelligent or very product focused. What I'm saying is, is like, assuming you've done that, you have to also make sure you're filtering very similar to how you filter for like product feedback and all that kind of fun stuff. Because I trust, just because I know Des a bit, I trust that Des or whomever listened to the intercom pricing feedback and went, should we adjust this? Oh, we're only hearing feedback from this group. That group right now and also long-term might not be a focus. So we're okay just continuing what we're doing or we'll adjust it in this particular way, right? But in certain situations that I can't imagine with Airtable here, it's okay to ignore it. I think with Airtable, because of the value misalignment, they shouldn't ignore it. And I also think Intercom should change some things, but like that's it's neither here nor there. Yeah, but like the thing is like it's a cognitive dissonance because these companies, both companies have been very good at building great product. Like I would say exceptional. I would say these are world-class product teams, both of them. They innovate. They build things that like need to exist in the world. And it's a dissonance for me, for that type of company to have pricing the way both those companies do. And more importantly, as to your point about Intercom, communicate the pricing the way they do. Every single time I've said something for about any company that's critical, I've gotten a proper response, except this time. That's why I have to commend that sales rep that hit me up and try to help out. I mean, they have a lot of money. They have, I'm sure, a decent amount of people in customer support. And it just makes me think the company doesn't care about the customer, which is a cognitive dissonance because you can't build such a great product without caring about the customer. So for anyone listening, 
Don't just care about the customer because you're able to build a great product or whatever. Care about the customer because you care about the customer, period. <laughs> Don't just care about them because they're going to help you build a great product. Care about them because they are your customer, right? Yeah. And, 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 and no, I, agree I agree with you with Intercom and Des and, and that conversation, but they still have some explaining to do in the long run <laughs> about this. Because maybe, well, no, no, what I mean is they have lost a majority of their early evangelists at this point. I am sure of it. And, and this is the trickiest audience for all these software products. And to your point about uncomfortable and important or whatever it is, yeah, yeah, you're right. And these people who build great product apparently shy away from those hard conversations. Because the thing yeah. is, you can easily just say, hey, this is how we roll now because we have to build a business and the, and the product we're building is costly or whatever reason you need to give people that's honest and transparent. So like, I'm not seeing the transparency from some of these companies. I have grown to expect from people at their scale and people like them that build great product. So it's kind of like, hey, you can't just build a great product and then go put whatever pricing you want on it and expect everyone to still be cool with you and expect your, your company to survive long-term. Thankfully for Airtable, there is literally no alternative. And I think it would take a long time for anyone to catch up to them. Intercom, that's not quite the case. Because of their strategic moves here, they have basically left open a wide gap in the market that over time dilutes their opportunity. And I think that's what I'm talking about. And in Airtable's case, it's a lot worse because of people like me who are power users that will spread the product. And now I don't know if I can until they fix this pricing thing. And even then, it's like, why am I spending all this time? Why am I showing this company love? They have not shown me any. Dude, months ago, I tweeted something about how much I love Airtable, dude. Legit. Like, I'm not a normal person sitting here saying, hey, I'm complaining about you, right? I'm like, yo, I love you. That's why I'm complaining about you. You went from like power advocate to power detractor, like yeah. real quick. Yeah. Like, and that doesn't even have to, anything to do with like your audience or anything. No, no, no. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about how much I promote their product, not about my audience, not about who I am. No, 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 no. I don't care about no, that. No, no, no. I was yeah, just yeah, saying yeah. like if no, you no, had no, you're right. yeah, yeah, 2,000 yeah. Twitter followers or something versus 200,000. Yeah, right? yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It shouldn't be about, I don't, I don't tweet about this stuff because I want someone to respond to me. No, I tweet about this stuff because I want to believe a company is a certain way and I want to see what they do. Yeah. I think the way they've handled it or lack thereof is like the more disheartening part. Like, I don't know, like people are always going to have feedback, especially on things like pricing and whether it's justified or not. Like, oh, I get that. I get you just that. just want to be listened to. I didn't even you know, try to give any feedback. To. I didn't try to give any feedback on what they should do. Like, I was just like, yo, this is a problem. WTF. I got an email and it says a price point that I'm not willing to pay for your product for reasons that I shouldn't have to pay for your product. That's all it is. Very simple breakdown, right? We basically discussed it. This, this doesn't seem to make sense in the market they're in. I'm sure they have their reasons to do it, but I can't imagine anyone being okay with this. I can't even imagine a large enterprise being okay with it. It's not a, I'm not the persona problem. It's like, uh, wait, like I'm getting charged for something that makes no sense because no other tool in your category charges me for the thing you're trying to charge me for. So I'm like, well, well I'll just go to Google Sheets again, or I'll go try their Airtable competitor because they have one now and it's oh, free. Yeah, they do have one. Right. And, and, and I've even talked to the folks on that team just for fun. And like when they first launched it and like, yeah, it seems like they're really going after it. I don't know. It's Google. You know, Google has all kinds of things that they're working on, but like. It's interesting. 
It's a really interesting problem. I still think, I'm sure the Google product is nowhere near Airtable. You know, Airtable's been at this for a while. The product's fantastic. I, got, I have zero gripes on the product, Patrick, and you know how much I care about that. Zero gripes, dude. Yeah. You're not quick to exalt a product either, so that's no, interesting. I will always say I love the product. That is not going to change, dude. But well, do I feel comfortable using it? I don't know, man. Every time I'm in there, I'm going to think about this. Every time I'm trying to share a, air, a base with somebody, I'll think about this, right? Like, But this is where it's really funny. It'll be interesting to check in with you, not the week of, but like just three months from now. Because you want your users to love the experience, which includes your product, pricing, all this other stuff, right? But sometimes what happens is like what's happening right now. But if the product's that good, sometimes like that pain goes away. Yeah, there. despite what both Marie and I said, there are things that we do in there that are going to take us time to replace. That's why the product is great. It, it, I, I can tell you, I know the things. There's one or two things in there. I'm like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. I don't really want to turn. This does it really well. And I've already managed the problem. I'm not going to be charged that amount of money. That's what I was trying to say. I know how to manage the problem. That's not my point. My point is, why would a brand I love do something like this to anybody? That's it. It's almost like a call to action or call to arms. Like, what are you folks doing? Are you awake at the wheel here? Like, this doesn't seem right. It's just like product feedback, right? That's all I was doing. That's that's what we should be doing. We should be more vocal about this stuff. I mean, it's more on the tech industry side that I have I have gripes here that like we just should be doing better. It is one of those situations like just do better, whatever better is. And you couldn't, you couldn't even like manage me. You couldn't, you didn't know how, right? Like, and it's like, come on, like, really? Like, it takes two seconds. Like, hey, shoot an email to support. We'll help you out. Like, that's all they had to say. Right? Like, hey, I'm good. I don't need help. I know what to do here. I just wanted to complain about this because it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. I don't know. I think to summarize this, you want to make sure that the gates that you do to charge people are aligned to value. They're not going to disappoint them, dude. You know? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, the other thing too is like the, the thing I didn't talk about that I should have probably talked about, you know, 20 minutes ago is like there's very push versus pull pricing. Push pricing is is very much like this. It's kind of like Salesforce where like Salesforce is the example I use for everybody where all of a sudden like, you know, they'll give you the HubSpot integration on tier one, but you don't get any API calls on the HubSpot integration until you're on tier three, which makes no sense, right? Like I'm not misspeaking there. Like that makes absolutely no sense, right? And so what ends up happening is, is they very much like push you up, like you have to be pushed up. And normally this is where there's like a clear market leader who is very much like in charge of the market. Like for example, so we're still on Salesforce because, you know, HubSpot didn't have like 30% of the stuff we needed when we signed our initial contract. Now HubSpot has a lot more, but then we're like, do we really want to switch? That's a huge pain in the butt, all that kind of stuff. And then pull pricing is very much like modern pricing, which is just like, I'm naturally willing to pay the amount I'm willing to pay because my usage or the value or the features I'm now getting like very much align with my stage or with like whatever my functionality is when I'm using it. Um, and this is like Slack. Slack is very much like, you know, we're off free because we want to be able to have searchability and we want a couple more integrations than they offered. And then we're not going to upgrade until probably we have a general counsel or a proper COO who basically is like, no, we need those features now. And then the data retention point, or whatever, the we'll be more, are, yeah. yeah, we'll be more than happy to upgrade because it won't be that much money. And relative they, to they took the approach that I would love to see more massively funded venture back companies take, which is extremely generous on their free plan, 
take playing a long game on it, focused on getting the engagement retention up, the funnel metrics up, and very adamant about we don't care if someone's a free user for five years or plus or whatever, right? And like, there, if you're venture backed today, that's the kind of thing you should be doing with your money, providing value to people for free so you can build the brand that you probably want to. And so I used to think a lot about this Slack thing because I think they've left a lot of money on the table. But when I really think about it from a long-term venture capital, what do you do with venture capital? You know, Do you want your business to be around a long time? I think there are these kind of moves that would be smarter for companies to do, even if it meant a short-term hit on revenue because the mid and long-term benefit is extreme. How many users are they losing if I churn over time, especially with my current sentiment, right? Like, and, and again, I don't expect them to help me. I don't expect anything from any of these companies, but we need to be held to a certain standard, especially if we're raising money for companies and we're trying to create long-term value. So this shows to me that this company might not be really interested in the long-term value that they've touted that they want to create in the world. Well, you sometimes see this around, and I don't know what Airtable situation is, but around like either near going public or like not quite post, right post, but then like got to keep the stock going up. I got my levers. Like let's start turning the screws a little bit. We're kind of okay with less of this and more Board of that. Board management is very challenging once you hit revenue and you need it to be predictable and you need it to keep going up. And I totally respect and understand that. That's the reason why Intercom gets a major pass from me, but Airtable doesn't. Interesting. Exact reason. Intercom gets a pass on whatever they want to do. That, that's fine. Airtable doesn't because it just doesn't make sense. They're probably pissed off a lot of users over time. Sometimes this stuff creates competitors too. And like those, those are part of the problems that are systemic in our industry, frankly. This is why we have so much SaaS too, right? It's actually one theory I have, and we should probably end, is pricing and packaging missteps lead to more competition. Yeah, 100%. This is why you see like big dog come in enterprise, the nimble one comes in growth, the open source free one comes in. Like all markets commoditize themselves. It's just a matter of like how long. Most of the time it's like a lifetime. Look, right? look how long it actually took someone to create a viable Slack competitor and it ended up having to be Microsoft. Why? Because Slack was extremely generous and, and focused bad. on the right thing. And it's not bad though. Yeah, like it's not Microsoft bad. It, it's it's not actually bad. better than yeah. Slack in a, in a number of different but ways. But that also that, shows that, talk but that also shows why this stuff is so important. How exactly. you manage these complaints, how you manage the value differential, because it's thinking long term that really gets like someone like you to stick around forever. Someone like me too. I just don't. I'm not a power user at table. So anyway, you man, are you are of Notion. So yeah. And again, I don't know what we pay Notion. I have no idea, but I'm sure I'll see a bill one day. I'll be like, wait, what? What's going on? Right? You know, that type of thing. And that's where like having like managed transparency is so important with like pricing and things like that. There are worlds where you can kind of get into like this this market in Gmail's or Google work or whatever they're calling it now is definitely in that market where it's like, of course, I'm going to give everyone on the team, but the price is low enough that there's like no friction and the value is so high, like that differential is so large that like. I don't even question it. I will never look at that bill. If I look at that bill, I'll never question it, you know, and obviously that's part of a broader strategy that they have. But I do think it is one of those things where like some of these products, they push that differential way too tight. Um, and this is what cause uh, competitors churn, all that kind of stuff. But aligning with value, I think the other thing is like just communication management, transparency management with this type of stuff. We talked about that a little bit. 
But yeah, I'll, I'll check in with you three months from now, see what happens. If you're still using Airtable, you're probably going to be unhappy with it, even if you're still using it, but maybe not as unhappy as, you know, you went and tried to find an alternative and couldn't find one, but we'll, we'll check oh, in. Oh, I, I didn't even it. try to find an alternative. I already know there is an alternative because I'm very familiar with the product, right? Like, and yeah, I wouldn't yeah, want to switch to, I'm not trying to switch to an alternative. It's either Airtable or nothing. And that's just me, but that I don't think of alternatives when I love a product. Right. Like it's okay. Like I already know no one can do what they do for me from years. Right. Like no one can catch up to the little things that they do that are amazing. The user experience still blows away everything I've seen out there. They really care about that aspect, but they don't seem to care about this aspect from what I can tell. This is a years long problem, apparently. Anyway. We should call it. I don't need to complain anymore about this company. I actually love the product. I would still endorse it for the moment, except for this little issue. That's it. All right, man. I think I just recapped as well. So I think that works out well. But this is a good awesome. little uh, good little case study on how to how to mess up your pricing. I think that's that's a good way to put it. Yeah, why not? Cool. Anything else? Nope. I don't think there's anything else, right? All right, brother. We'll see you next week. Okay. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left a five-star review of this podcast or the equivalent rating wherever you listen or watch. Also, make sure to subscribe to and tell your friends about trade-offs, a podcast from ProfitWell Recur, the largest, fastest growing media network dedicated to the world of subscriptions.